City Church Podcast, your home for the latest sermons and audio updates from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 1211 1st Avenue North on the third floor. So in 2002, uh, the godfather of industrial goth rock was approached by the agents of an aging country singer. These agents came to Trent Reznor, uh, who was in a 90s band uh, called Nine Inch Nails, and they said that Johnny Cash would like to play and record one of your songs. So obviously this guy who was uh, not exactly the most country of fellows said that he thought that sounded a little bit cheesy, but he would allow it. And so Johnny Cash, uh, on the last album that was released before he died, played the song Hurt. And it became one of Johnny Cash's best-selling songs of all time. And it even outsold the original version. It became more popular than the original. It won a Grammy uh, for Greatest Music Video. It's heralded as sort of the pinnacle of Johnny Cash's career. But it wasn't his song. It was... A goth song from the 90s. But when the original writer of the song heard Johnny Cash play the song Hurt, he said, this is no longer my song. My song is the cover. This is the original. And in the song Hurt, Johnny Cash describes what it's like as he has lived his life as an addict. He says, I hurt myself today, and I keep doing it. He sort of talks about going back to the sting. So why did this song strike a chord, pun intended, with so many people, right? Why did an aging country star, nearly on his deathbed, playing a song that was written in a very, very different musical genre, strike such a chord with people? Why does it still strike a chord? I think the reason why is that all of us sort of have similar experiences with negative habits and problems that we just can't shake. All of us have this stuff that, left on our own, we wish wasn't true about the way that we thought and the way that we acted. While many of us don't struggle with specific substance abuse, we know what it feels like to keep coming back to something, to feel compulsed, to not know how to quit. Whether that is a substance, whether that is some sort of sexual addiction, whether that's compulsively lying to make ourselves look better, whether that's brokenness in our relationships that we just can't let go of. This sort of feeling of being out of control, of not being able to do things on our own, of not having control of every area of our life, is something that's pretty universal to us as humans. So we're at church. So this begs the question, 
Does Christianity fix this? If we all have a common experience of of feeling compulsively driven to do things that we would agree are not good, does Christianity just fix this? When you become a Christian, does this go away? Am I not speaking to a large part of our crowd? No. No, Christianity doesn't just fix this. What I want you to do is I'm going to read a few verses because this morning we're talking about temptation. We're talking about God and our lives and the idea of temptation. And I want to read to you some verses. Some are from Romans. Um, Some are from other books in the New Testament that I just (laughs) forgot. (laughs) And here we are. Um, So if you would stand with me. And I'm going to read to you. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then Matthew says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. City Church, this is the word of God written nearly 2,000 years ago, but intended for us this morning. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul talks about the fact that the exact things that he wants to do are the things that he just never does. And the very things that he wants to stop doing are the things that he can't stop doing. This is not some guy off the street. This is not somebody describing their life as being an addict. This is St. Paul saying, I want to do the right thing. And every time I try, I just can't seem to make myself do it. And he says, and I want to do the... And I, and I, I want to avoid sinning. I want to not do stuff that's wrong. But guess what? I get out of bed, my feet hit the floor, and I start running towards trouble. Trouble will find me. You see, God changing us. God giving us victory over temptation and trials in our life does not go at the speed that we want it to. It doesn't go as fast 
as we want. You see, in our life, becoming more and more like Jesus is far more like a curry than it is a microwave dinner. Microwave dinners, or even those nice fit life foods. We won't talk, nobody, nobody's eaten a microwave dinner in about 60 years. Uh, but in St. Pete, we've got like 75 meal prep places that'll bring you dry rice, bland chicken, and asparagus for $12. Perfectly portioned for you. All you have to do is put it in the microwave, and you can have your very own plate of bland chicken, dry rice, and asparagus from FitLife or from one of these other places all over the planet. We want quick and easy food dosed exactly right, right now. We want God to make us more like Him right now, just like we like. But it's not like that. You see, our our lives, our spiritual walk is far more like a curry. Which when you cook a curry, you have to cook it slow. You have to cook it deliberately. You have to cook it thoughtfully, stirring in the ingredients at the right time, letting the flavors develop in order. You have to cook the oil first and then the tomatoes, and then you have to add your onions and your gen. You have to do it slowly. The same is true of us and temptation. But for most of us, we never experience this for a couple of reasons. We don't get to experience this because we are unwilling to admit how fierce temptation really is. And we don't get to experience this because we're unwilling to let go of our pet sins. You see, temptation comes at us in a number of ways. One of the ways that temptation comes at us is from the outside. City Church, this is... This probably goes without saying, but I'm going to say it. Uh, This world is not set up to make you more like Jesus. Right? I don't know if you know this. I think you might. Um, If you've read a few verses of the Bible, you probably get the idea that this world is not set up to make you more like Jesus. In fact, it's set up to do the opposite. Our culture is a minefield that wants to tear us away from Jesus at every turn. And it's hard, because the Bible doesn't have a TV guide listed in the back of it that says, here are the shows on Netflix that you can watch, here are the ones that you cannot watch. Go and do. Right? The Bible doesn't have a list of music that is good and a list of music that is bad. I wish it did. wish it was that simple, right? Oh, is this, is this new CD on the approved list? Oh, let me write an app for Spotify that will only show me the approved list things on Spotify. Very nice. No, that's not how it works. And yet temptation comes at us every day from every device that we have sitting around us, from every person that we might see out in public. But not only that, temptation doesn't just come from the world around us, but it also comes from Satan. You see, we as Christians, C.S. Lewis said that that Christians tend to make two mistakes when it comes to, to Satan and things like Satan. Either we never talk about it and we pretend it doesn't exist, or it's all we talk about and it gets weird. That's me paraphrasing C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis did not say, it gets weird. He implied it, though. 
You see, for most of us, we fall on the first side of that. We just would like to pretend, you know, I, 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 I've seen my fair share of cartoons and never once has there been anything that popped up on my shoulder and started whispering to me, right? That's not the way it works. We're all thoughtful, reasonable, science-based Americans who know that that's not what really goes on. And so what do we do? We ignore everything in our lives. Or we try to rationalize it. We try to explain it. We try to, to cover over any evidence that something else is conspiring against us to drive us away from God. I think one of the ways that we see this most vividly is the way that we are constantly being assaulted by our emotions. Think about the way that discontentment will pop up in your mind and in your heart at a moment's notice. All it takes is seeing somebody who has something you don't and the churn of discontentment starts a running, doesn't it? Or when things don't shake out your way, how quick does depression set in? Uh, there's a, a famous, in some circles, uh, band, um, and they're named the Decemberist. They were on Parks and Rec one time. And the Decemberist have a new album, and the first song on the Decemberist album uh, only has uh, very short lyrics. And the, the lyrics of the song are, Oh, for once in my life, would just something go right? I've been waiting all my life. Oh, for once in my life, would just something go right? That's all the lyrics in the entire song. And how many of us have experienced that? Have experienced that feeling of, why can't anything shake out the way I want it to? For me, this creeps up at me when I'm frustrated, when I'm tired, and I'm trying to get something off the top shelf in the pantry, and I'm short, in case you hadn't noticed, and I'm trying to get something off that top shelf, and three or four things fall down on top of me. What is my gut reaction to that situation? Can't just something go right? That's a, that's a somewhat silly example. But how many times is that our gut reaction to what happens around us? Can't just something go right for me? What about despair? that we just can't shake. The hopelessness that our job is never going to get better, that we're never going to make that sale. The hopelessness that our relationship status isn't going to change. The hopelessness that we're just never going to be the person we wish we were, and then despair sinks in. See, when we pray, lead me not into temptation, one of the things that we're doing is praying against that. Because the idea of temptation here is not just temptation to sin, but it's the idea of trial as well. And when we pray, God, lead me not into temptation. God, deliver me from evil. One of the things we're doing is saying, God, I am weak and in need, and there is so much around me that is conspiring against me to take me away from you, to take the hope that I can find in you 
away, to take the peace that I can find in you away. There is so much that is trying to distract me and pull me away from that, that we need someone else to protect us. And so we pray, lead me not in temptation. And so we pray, deliver me from evil. Because temptation comes at us from outside of us. But that's not all. Temptation also comes from inside of us. Which we don't like to talk about. As a culture, we are very happy to talk about those people's evil. Out there. The people who aren't me and who aren't like my friends. Those people's evil is very bad. The evil inside of me, you know, I, I have done things wrong. But have you ever have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed the way that you talk about other people's sin and the things that you've done wrong? Catch that? I I've done some things wrong. Those people have sinned. But I've just done some things wrong. It's 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 like you're already grading yourself onto a curve. But the other people's stuff is very bad. My stuff is like, you know, not good. But it's not what they did to me. It's not what they're responsible for. And we are quick to point out the evil in everyone else. And we're very slow to admit that there is evil inside of us. That there is evil, City Church, creeping in your heart. You see, we like to gloss over this. We don't want to think about this. I'm not evil. Some of you already are going, no, no, mm -mm, just don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like it when you call me evil. Because we have learned to sort of shift the blame for everything in our lives to somebody else. Well, if, if this person hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have done the evil that I did. I, I was just a pawn in the bigger game. My evil's not that bad. But Paul shows us that the very things that he wanted to do, he just couldn't do. The very sins that he wanted to avoid, he just couldn't avoid. Our sinful nature remains in us more than we want to admit. And to make matters worse, we are unwilling to take drastic measures to deal with it. That section in Matthew that I wrote, read was from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, if your eye offends you, cut it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. And we go, okay, okay, okay Jesus, I know, I know that you're talking metaphorically. I know that we really shouldn't cut off our hands and our eyes. And then we start negotiating down from there. Well, it'd be, it'd be inconvenient. It, 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 obviously, you don't want me to cut out, cut out my hand or my eyes. Okay. So it, it would also be inconvenient for me uh, to delete an app from my phone. So I'm going to keep that, and I'm just going to work harder not to use that app. I know, it would be, I know it would be harder to leave a toxic work environment when I don't know what my next job is, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that job and, and let's just see what... And we start negotiating with God because we're unwilling 
to take drastic measures. We're unwilling to confess our sins to other people. Because if I tell you about my sin, you know what you're probably going to do if you're a brother or sister of Christ in me? You're probably going to ask me about it. And I'm going to have to deal with it. And then I'm going to either have to lie to you, which doesn't make me feel great, or I'm going to have to tell you I'm not doing great. And I don't want to do that. Because, because that would expose me. That would mean that you would know that I'm, as not, that I'm not as good of a person as I want you to think I am. I'm saying that for me, City Church. Your pastor is not as good of a person as you hope he is. And if it's true of me, I'm pretty sure it's true of you too. So how do we deal with this temptation? How do we deal with this? First of all, it's interesting. When you pray the prayer, deliver me from evil and lead me not into temptation. What is the active thing you are doing in those moments? Nothing. You are being delivered. You are being not led into temptation. See, part of the first thing that we need to do in seeing the way that we are changed by Jesus is realize that it's not a matter of waking up and tying our shoes tighter and saying, I'm going to not sin anymore. But rather seeing that it's Jesus who needs us to do that. We need Jesus to protect us. We need Jesus to deliver us from evil. One of the ways to do that is by praying this prayer. Think about the times in your life where you are most tempted. What would it look like if before those moments you said, Jesus, I can't avoid going to work. I can't avoid spending time with my children. I can't avoid whatever the thing is, whatever the place is that you are most tempted. I can't avoid that. So Jesus, help me. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. I need you. Something changes because now all of a sudden you're on the lookout for Jesus' rescue. You're on the lookout for the ways that He is going to take care of you. And that's the beginning. But the other way to begin to deal with temptation is to practice true community. Every week when when Olivia... Tiffany, or Rosalie, or Jenna stands up and goes over the three things that are on our banners outside that are sort of the three core values of the city church, they always talk about community. And that is meaningful to us here at City Church, not because it's a buzzword, not because we want to have a cool group of people that are all together that really like each other. No, it's important because Jesus designed us to live in community. Does the Lord's Prayer say, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil? No, it does not. It's a communal prayer. It's for us. And so as when we begin to live in genuine community with each other, practicing the gospel by admitting where we are broken and messed up more than we care to share with others, begins to change us. Because we are in deep, deep need change. It's interesting that Jesus taught us to pray this prayer, and this is a prayer that God said no to, to Jesus. 
because Jesus was led into trial. And Jesus was not delivered from evil, was he? On the cross, Jesus was experiencing evil. On the moments before his crucifixion, Jesus was going through temptation, but then also the trial of being beaten and falsely accused. He did this for you and for me. Jesus was not delivered from evil so that you and I could be. Jesus was led into trial. Jesus was tempted and beat temptation so that you and I might experience that same sort of hope. See, it's interesting that we had Jake up here this morning because I was thinking a lot about medical stuff this week and I was thinking about the way that part of the Christian life is the slow transfusion of the blood of Jesus from Calvary into our hearts. It is us being detoxified from what has from what we have put in our hearts and what the world and Satan has done as well. And it is a slow detoxification process that requires us to be hooked up constantly to the gospel, to the message of Jesus, to the blood of the cross. And so for some of us, we need to be reminded that you can be changed by God. But that change is slow and deliberate like a curry. But not only are we, are we pushed towards hope, but we are also called to a radical sort of community where we can confess our sin to one another, where we can hold one another accountable for stuff in our lives. Instead of hiding, instead of running, instead of burying our head in shame. Oh God, would you lead us not in temptation and would you deliver us from evil?